Good morning. This may be the third and final installment for prayer. Um, We've had uh, so far two good uh, lessons, I believe, in covering some of the basics that Whitney pulls out of his book. Uh, There are no handouts today, so you guys have got the week off from handouts. Uh, But in the previous weeks, we did cover uh, the main concept that prayer is learned. That's what we touched base on last week. Uh, We looked specifically at meditating on Scripture, uh, the importance of praying with and for others. Um, And we talked very briefly about different books and authors that, uh, you know, have a lot to say about the subject. Uh, Those are certainly important tools uh, to grow in your prayer life. Uh, we're going to wrap things up today with the final installment of prayer is learned, and that's just learned by doing. Um, the case in point that Whitney brings forth in his book is the Lord's Prayer, and so we're going to take a, a closer look at that at the conclusion um, of our hour today, uh, and we'll be able to uh, take a closer look at that and, and really uh, share with some wisdom from uh, Kevin Carr here uh, with you all. Um, before that, though, Uh, We're going to look at uh, prayer is answered. That's Donald Whitney's third point in this chapter in the book. Um, And if you're like me, you've encountered, and we've just talked about it, uh, we just took prayer requests, and um, sometimes there are a number of things that we pray for uh, that we feel um, may not be answered or that we have to wait. And we're going to look at a couple of things, primarily the importance of persisting in prayer, Um, and the relationship between uh, our Heavenly Father and ourselves before we get to take a look uh, at the Lord's Prayer. So with that said, my opening question uh, for you all this morning um, is kind of just a a good icebreaker. At what times in your all's life have you felt that prayer didn't work? At what times in your all's life have you felt that prayer didn't work? Somebody's got an example. Come on. In the back. Thank you. A couple examples. Say one time, not to be too specific, but you usually like pray for a sin you're dealing with or something that you just did, and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And then the next day you do it again. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, been there before. Good, good example. Anyone else? Donna? I guess I'd have to say when my son died mm. and just kept praying that he'd make it through. Yeah. Yeah. As I was prepping for this, I thought the same about my father a couple of years ago. Um, and just how our circumstances would be way different right now if he was still with us uh, in terms of my mother. So um, good points. So if you all would, let's, uh, let's take a look at... Um, Matthew chapter 7. If you all would, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, and again, we're going to talk about the concept that prayer is answered. Um, from there, we'll be jumping to uh, Exodus, and then we'll end up in Luke um, towards the conclusion. So Matthew chapter 7.
we're going to uh, read verses 7 through 11. Um, any volunteers on somebody that wants to read that with the mic? Bennett, you want to read it? Sure. Sounds good. Um, verse 7. Yep, verse 7 through 11. You want me to read all that? Yep. Okay. Ask and it will be given to... You see, I'm left-handed. I'm so... I'm having a struggle okay. holding my right hand. Okay. Okay. Um... And I can't see that well. Okay. To you, and seek, and you will open, find the ark, and it will be open to you forever, for everyone. One who, who, now my phone just went black. You want me to finish it? I can do it. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm a slow reader. No. You had your hand up first, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I lost my spot. For everyone who asks. For everyone opens to you <laughs> who ask for re- receive and the uh, one who seeks finds and to open to or one. which one of you if his son asks for a fish, will give him a serpent or evil know how to give good gift to your children how much more will your father who is in heaven gives good good things to those who him ask him yes thank you Bennett I did a terrible job of reading Oh, you did fine. Absolutely fine. So, as as we look at this passage, I believe uh, in in Donald Whitney's book here, he uh, makes a really great point of this. I believe it's Whitney. I'm getting all my books confused here, guys. Here we go. Yeah, page 13 of D.A. Carson's book, Praying with Paul. Um, let me read this uh, read this idea because again this is a model that we're kind of going after Uh, he says if a boy asks his father for several things 
all within the Father's power to give, the Father may give him one of them right away, delay giving him another, decline to give him a third, set up a condition for a fourth. The child is not assured of receiving something because he has used the right incantation. That would be magic. The father may decline to give something because he knows it is not in the child's best interests. He may delay giving something else because he knows that so many requests from his young son are temporary and whimsical. He may also withhold something that he knows the child needs until the child asks for it in an appropriate way. And this is the sum here. But above all, the wise father is more interested in a relationship with his son than in merely giving him things. So I know I have read the, this passage before in Matthew 7. And, and for different things throughout life, the trials that we go through, loss of loved ones, we can find ourselves asking that question, Why? Or better yet, why not? Why, why wasn't this prayer answered the way that I wanted it? Um, and it, we, we obviously aren't God, and we can't see what he sees and know what he knows of his secret will. And we'll talk about secret will and revealed will when we get to the Lord's Prayer in just a second. But we can take hope in knowing that he wants a relationship with us and, and I think and from what I've studied through this that is one of the most essential truths about prayer whether it is in our car as we're driving whether it is planned structured prayer time that we're journaling whether it is meditating uh, the scriptures as we pray and as we study our word the point is to have a relationship with him and no matter what we ask of him um he does a few things. So let's, on that note, switch now to Exodus chapter 2. I came across a sermon as I was prepping for this, and I would encourage you all to take a few minutes, uh, if you have a chance, um, and, and look it up. It's by a gentleman by the name of Vody Bachman. I'm sure you, some of you have heard him before. Um, but uh, he has a, a sermon on the privilege of prayer. Uh, it's, it's a really, really good listen. I would encourage you to, to look him up. Um, Exodus chapter 2, um, beginning in verse 23. Um, and to sum up parts of uh, chapter 2, Moses has been born. Um, he has grown into manhood. He has um, um, killed the Egyptian and now has fled uh, to Midian. Um, he has uh, and, 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 and found refuge there um, and is, is now with Zipporah. Um, and pick, let's pick it up in verse 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham with Isaac and with Jacob God saw the people of Israel and God knew so there's two main parts to that passage the first part verse 23 is Israel's cry 
It's Israel's prayer. During those many days, the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, right? And this is the part that we really, I think, stood out to me in this sermon. And God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. God heard, God remembered, God saw, and God knew. Anytime we have a prayer that is not being answered the way that we would prefer, or we lose a loved one after spending months and weeks praying for the situation, I think we can take great comfort in knowing and remembering and thinking about this passage here. Those four statements, God heard, God remembered, God saw, and God knew. The beauty is that in any of our trials, our afflictions, our supplications that we give up to the Lord, God knows the end. He knows the end game in our lives. He knows the greater purpose that these things are being worked out for. Um, not only to his glory, but for the way that they work themselves out in our lives to our good, uh, to make us more dependent on him, to make us more um, vigilant in prayer and persistent in prayer. So with that, let's let's, uh, take, I'll share here something too that came from Donald Whitney in his book here. Um, He gave uh, a few reasons for uh, unanswered prayer. And, and these are backed up with scripture as well. Um, so a few things he says here in the chapter. Perhaps God has indeed answered, but not in an obvious way. Right? So maybe the answer wasn't obvious. My wife says I'm quite oblivious about most things. So it could be that God has answered my prayer and I just haven't quite realized it. Um, and possibly our prayers show nothing amiss but we don't see yet the answer only because God intends for us to persevere in praying about the matter a while longer. So persistence in prayer, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Still, we must learn to examine our prayers. Are we asking for things outside the will of God or that would not glorify him? Is it outside God's will? Are we praying for selfish motives? Sermon this morning hit quite a bit on our own passions and praying for things we ask wrongly? Is it a selfish motivation that we're praying for? Are we failing to deal with the kind of blatant sin that causes God to put all our prayers on hold? Was it a few weeks ago that uh, Jeremy had shared the passage, or maybe it was Mitchell, about not honoring your wife and your prayers being hindered if you're not honoring your wife? I don't honor my wife a whole lot. I try to, but I'm not perfect at it. I certainly left that morning going, oh gosh, kind of important to honor my wife um so yeah sometimes our our sin our blatant sin that's in our lives um can be hindering our prayers so i would encourage you all that anytime you do feel like your prayers are being hindered or maybe not answered um think about those four or five things we just shared we're going to take a deeper dive at um at two of them here as we start to begin uh studying the lord's prayer
Uh, Let's turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Verses 1 through 8. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what, her, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So there we have an example of the importance of persisting in prayer. And, uh, an evil, ungodly man, uh, maybe not evil, but just not a man who fears God or respects man, um, finally gave in to this widow who just kept bothering him. Um, and, and here in the passage, we have that point of the importance of persisting in prayer uh, and not losing heart. I think sometimes it's very easy to lose heart when we pray, especially if it's over something that we're passionate about and we're not seeing uh, any progress or any fruit. Um, but it's important to remember that, that God does here. Um, God remembers his covenant with us, his children. Uh, God sees and God knows what's in store um, and ahead for us. Um, So now let's take a look at a few models of prayer. Um, We're going to get into um, a couple of examples um, of different ways to pray. the first is an acronym that, that I've used before. I forgot exactly where I come across. I, I've been using it for years. Um, it's simply the word or acronym ACTS. Um, A stands for adoration. Uh, C stands for confession. T stands for thanksgiving. And S for supplication. Um, those are four essential parts of most of my prayers. Um, simply put, I try to begin my prayers out with uh, statements, petitions of adoration to the Lord, um, namely that he is holy, uh, that he is a creator. Um, and that begins to set the direction for the rest of my prayer. Uh, I realize that through adoration, um, I have a need for confession. Uh, there's sins that I'm struggling with. There's uh, things at home that I need to do better. Uh, relationships at work that uh, need to be more gospel-focused or gospel-centered. And I take that moment to confess sins. Um, Out of that confession, I realize I'm 
pretty grateful for a lot of things that I have. Uh, salvation, um, mercies every day that I'm given by my Lord and Savior. Um, simple things like my home, uh, a job that I enjoy. Um, my children, my wife, my family, my dog. Those, those blessings that, that bring us joy. Um, and then transform into praying for other people, supplications, needs of the saints. Um, before we jump to the Lord's Prayer, are there other models that you all have used or journals or anything that you all would like to share with the rest of us? Bridget? I personally really enjoy prayer journaling. And I tend to be someone who is more um, free-flowing with my thoughts, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I know that there are also prayer journals you can get that are more prompting, like asking specific questions, and you kind of reflect on them and answer them. I think for me, I tend to come into it with just a jumbled mess in my head or a lot of emotions, and I can't really pinpoint. But as I start writing, it kind of organizes my thoughts, and I figure out maybe what's bothering me or what I want to take to the Lord. And usually it will end up somewhat like the Psalms where, not always, but um, <laughs> but um, where it's me realizing, okay, God, my heart motives have not been right, or I am seeing that I am in despair in this moment, or I'm not trusting you, and it will kind of result in me going to him and um, just getting whatever angst I'm feeling out on paper. So that works very well for me. I know different people are different, but um, yeah. Nope. Great point. Anyone else? Simeon? I do the talking to myself in the car prayer sometimes. So I'll just talk on the way to work for like half an hour. And I'll just talk through a thing I've got, a deal, a problem, and I'll just try and work it out logically. I'll talk to God about it. I'll get sidetracked. I'll come back to it in five minutes. I'll turn the radio on. I'll turn the radio off. Like <laughs> it's, it's a jumbled mess as well, but because I'm trapped in a mundane task I guess I can't get away from the fact that I have to just kind of talk and it's my thoughts and I have to deal with it so you can't get distracted with your phone and other stuff I mean you can but you shouldn't <laughs> so <laughs> highway patrol has something to say about that oh don't yeah they? yeah oh, great points Carol and we'll start with Bennett and then Carol Bennett Well, this is not much, but whenever I read a bi um, my Bible, I take a chapter of the Bible of what I read. I put it down in my notes on my phone. I, I put it down and, like, say that I'm reading Proverbs, and I'm on, like, chapter... 22 and then I try to read three chapters a day and then it say that 23 I'm on 25 then I go to the New Testament I do two areas in the Bible I do it every day I try to 
Um, not successful every time, but I try to be. Mm-hmm. And then I told my mom this one thing. My grandma, my grandma yes, I call her by initial. And I um, remember we and my grandma we used to have tea. And um, um, we do Bible time at 3.30 in King James. And I only have an MBS, and I prefer King James because it reminds me of my Grandma G. Yeah. And so one day I walked up to my mom and said, Mom, I prefer a King James Bible because I think of my Grandma G. And also it reminds me that I was closer to God. Yep. Thanks, Bennett. Those are some great memories and great And now Donna Thompson wants to talk. <laughs> I just want to say it's, re- it's really neat to see how God says yes so many times. Mm-hmm. And if you write down a date and a name and see when it's answered and stuff, it's just, it's kind of amazing to see. God says yes a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, going back to the point that, you know, sometimes we don't see it in an obvious way. Um, you know, journaling or keeping a notes, you know, will allow us to go back and look at that. Um, we'll go to Carl, uh, Carol next. I, I remember during COVID, especially I got to where I wasn't going into the office at all. And I would go back into my home office and I'd, <laughs> I'd have this sweet hour before the kids were up and I could sit and read my Bible and pray. And I really became pretty diligent with writing out my prayer requests and, you know, recently I've pulled that back out and I've taken a look at it and, and it's neat to see where you know, God's answered things and some things are still on online. We're still waiting. Um, and, and just how, you know, life shifts and changes and seasons come and seasons go. So good point, Donna. Carol? I was <clears throat> going to tag on to what Bridget said about writing down your prayers. I started doing that. I don't know, two, three, four years ago or more. And mainly because I'm just, uh, I, I just get distracted so easily. ADHD, I guess, <laughs> you know. And I, I guess all of us have that to a certain degree, right? It's so easy for me to start praying. And then the next thing you know, I'm thinking about something totally different. And, you know, I'm, I'm not like Simeon driving to work. I'm, just, I'm sitting right there at the table and anything can distract me. And so I, I think it really helps to, you know, to write down your prayers. And then also, like you were saying, to see the answers. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've, I've been talking to you, Pastor Jeremy, and also to Jake about maybe after Christmas, uh, I'm, I may be starting up a class again on um, journaling your quiet time, including your prayers. I just so such a believer in writing things down because yeah. uh, it engages your mind more. Well, and, it, and it's a lost art. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I remember so much of what we know about people of the past is because they journaled. Um, I got really into this trilogy. We come to Jake next, but really in this trilogy on Teddy Roosevelt. And, you know, it, we know so much about these men and women because they journaled. And I think, well, what are they going to know about me? What I put on Facebook? <laughs> right? I mean, uh, it, 
does my digital footprint how we're going to know you know history and, and and it is neat to think that maybe someday our great great grandkids could jump back and look at things online and see but we just don't journal i think as a society as much as we probably should so jake first first of all i'm excited about that class carol and just um for those of you who are following along we will be omitting the journaling uh chapter in whitney's book Ooh. um because it seemed it seemed good to us that to give it a whole class instead so so we're going to be omitting that because carol will be able to cover it in a more thorough way and not be so much constrained by time and that sort of thing so i'm really excited about that um back to the question um about ways of praying um this is not this is common many things that you guys have shared um are good ways of sort of for for me one of the hard things is Oftentimes what drives me to prayer is the need for something, and then my priorities get all out of whack, just like you were talking about um, asking for things. As When you're a really young Christian, you go through this um, phase, it's, it's, there's so much awe in being able to come to God. You're like, wow, will, will God really hear me if I pray for him? I mean, if I pray to him? Oh, well, I better wait for something really important. He doesn't want to mess with little things, you know, and, and because you're you go through this this early phase of being a Christian. And then you're a Christian a little bit more, and you get more comfortable coming to God in prayer. And then you don't pray as much as you should, and then perhaps you have a pressing need or a pressing want, and then you enter the new phase, which is God the cosmic genie. You know, what do I have to do to rub the lamp? You know, God, I, I need something now, God. I'm ready to pray now. And and for me, that been struggle at many times. And many of the... Um, and then maybe you can focus long enough to pray for the thing you really, really want, and you lose focus again. So I'm just, I'm just noticing um, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's uh, a long, sustained prayer, uh, journaling, a conversation, you know, if you're talking back and forth with God, all great ways to get past the what I want part, and then hope, you know, Hopefully, you know, as we grow and mature, we enter into that sort of final stage where it's the God, you know what's best. I, can, I will come to you. I can come to you. But what I want more than like a new shiny thing or more than for my leg to not hurt anymore, what I want most, God, is for you to, you know, finish the good work that you've begun in me. That's the eternal thing that I really want. And and I just it's 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 really interesting listening to all uh, the different approaches here that help correct that focus off the just what I want, what I need, what I think is best for me, because at least for me, that's all that at times has been a real struggle to just go to God and pray for what you want. And then, so to speak, hang up the phone. So I think that's really, really wise. Yeah. Greg, I know we're going to get to this here soon with the Lord's prayer, but um, just another thing to throw into the bucket of, of how we pray, what, what, what methods do we use? Just using your Bible time to inform your prayer mm-hmm. as you come across different truths or realities about the Lord, about ourselves in your Bible reading, let that influence a kind of a spontaneous moment to either fill in like, oh, I remember this prayer request. Now I have biblical you know, verbiage, mm-hmm. words to, to, to use in, in, in this petition, yeah. so forth. Fantastic segue. Let's look at Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Uh, 
Um, Luke chapter 11 um, is, is where we'll look at today, I believe, for uh, most of this. I was just looking here at my notes, and I've gotten a little confused. Um, I'm, I'm going to go to Matthew real quick. You all can stay there in Luke. I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 6. Um, nope, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. My apologies. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. All right. Um, we'll start here with the Lord's Prayer. Um, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So I'm going to stop there. These verses here in Matthew 6 give us a few critical guidelines about intentional time with the Lord. Um, And honestly, the motives that lead us into prayer. Um, I think right out of the gate in verses 5 and 6, we need to avoid showiness. Um, uh, that, That is obviously a wrong motive when we pray is to be up in front of people and pray in a showy manner. Um, scripture here is, is pretty clear about that. Um, seek solitude. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Uh, we may not always have um, solitude in those moments where we need to volley a prayer or we're uh, led um, to volley a prayer on site or with someone. But uh, the, the intention there is when you can, seek solitude Um, And finally, with this last part, be sincere. Uh, Verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Isn't that great? Like, our God knows what we need before we ask Him. Going back to this idea of persevering in prayer, um, and putting our faith in the Lord to answer those prayers. Um, we, have these, we have these three reminders here, these three um, sideboards for our intimate prayer life. Um, avoid showiness, um, seek solitude, and be sincere. Um, and then Jesus goes on to say, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We had some friends over last night. um, And ironically, this exact passage came up in our our talk. Um, We we were discussing it at the beginning of a football game. Uh, I know growing up, my football team prayed this prayer. <laughs> uh, and many times right after the football prayer was over, there was 
a string of obscenities about how passionate we were to win the football game. Of course, I didn't partake in those at the age of 17, but many of my teammates did. Um, my point being is that our culture and, and the world, society, Christianity, uh, this prayer can be very ritualistic. Uh, it can be very empty itself. It can be very um, hollow and, and insincere. Uh, and I think the importance that, that has been pointed out in this chapter is that uh, we need to be sincere. Um, a lot of the points that Jeremy was making this morning uh, in his sermon was about being humble, humbling ourselves before uh, the Lord. And so as we humble ourselves, if we do these things that are set forth in verses uh, 5 through 8, we find ourselves coming into that prayer um, with less of a risk of it being hollow or empty. So there are six petitions here, uh, and we're going to look at all six of them here before we wrap up. The first, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Uh, The idea here is that uh, God should be exalted with the highest honor. Um, This alone should humble us. Um, It is basically when we pray, hallowed be your name, um, it will teach us to talk less about ourselves and more about God. When we start off our prayer with that in mind, we're automatically putting God in an exalted position before us and humbling ourselves in that So it serves as a great introduction to get into this prayer. And I think as we go through these petitions, we'll see more and more uh, how easy it can be to find ourselves naturally placed in that situation of humbling ourselves. Um, Hallowed be your name. Uh, What does it mean to come in someone's name? Or what are we saying there? Any takers? Hallowed be your name. What is the name? Did did any of you all have parents that say, just remember who you are? When you go out and you're you're on a Friday night, just remember who you are, right? You're representing our family. You're representing our household. Um, as, As believers, our lives should be lived in a way where we are glorifying God. Um, and we want our actions, um, to exalt his name, to make him known, um, and, and really be zealous for his holiness. Um, and, and by praying, hallowed be your name, out of the gate, uh, we're placing ourselves in that position of humility. Um, there's some passages that you all can look up. Nehemiah 1.5, uh, Psalm 115.1. It says, not to us, O Lord, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Therefore, when we pray, hallowed be your name, it teaches us to talk less about ourselves and more about God. The second petition, uh, your kingdom come. Um, this one, to me, has a lot of, a lot of uh, really interesting concepts behind it. Colossians 1, uh, 9 through 13, if you all want to turn there. Colossians 1. Nine through thirteen. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, 
so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. We are a part of this very uh, holy and righteous kingdom, uh, a kingdom that we don't deserve to be part of, a kingdom that will one day be ruled uh, by his son. Um, and so when we pray your kingdom come, that comes in a, a variety of ways. It, it can come in the way that we interact with others every day, in the way that we are presenting the gospel to other people, the way that we're showing service and acts of love to those around us. Um, but also knowing that there will be a day where he does come to rule uh, this world. Um, he sets up his permanent kingdom uh, that, that will not be destroyed. Um, the next petition is God's will, praying for God's will. Uh, and if you want to turn to Deuteronomy 29, 21, some 29, 29, sometime this week you can. Uh, but the points that come out of this uh, passage and, and what we're really asking for when we pray for God's will to be done uh, is two things. We have God's secret will, um, which is bound up in his eternal counsels and decrees. Uh, we're not privy to those secret will, to that secret will just yet. Um, we sometimes will see things as they pass and, and go forward. Uh, some things will be revealed to us. Uh, of his secret will, but for the most part, we will, we will wait on knowing everything until that great day. Uh, but there's also God's revealed will, revealed will um, and we find that in Scripture. Uh, and so when we pray for God's will to be done, um, we can look not only to the secret will um, and patiently wait for that secret will, but to submit to his revealed will. Uh, those things that we may ask, the, the, the desires, the way Jeremy covered it this morning, um, our motives, uh, if, if we find ourselves truly praying for God's will, um, over time we will see uh, and wait and be patient in that. He will, he will answer us. And it may, as we've covered, may not be in an obvious way. Uh, he may be wanting us to persevere in prayer is the purpose. He may not be seemingly answering right away, but we really... Uh, need to really focus on praying for God's will to be done and being patient in that hope. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. It doesn't change God. It changes me. I'm sure you all have heard that one uh, before. Um, the fourth petition, God's provision. Uh, items such as food, shelter, job, uh, our daily needs, um, Everything that we receive from him are, are, can be good and perfect gifts. Um, that's also found in James. Uh, the key point here is to trust him daily. I know it's hard for me being a planner uh, to trust him daily. A lot of times I want to be able to know what's going on and make my plans and you know, work my plan, plan my work, and, and feed off of that. Uh, rarely do I take the time to understand that what I'm praying for here is that trust of day-to-day -day provision. Uh, some of you all may have found yourselves in the past in these predicaments where either financially or due to work or a job, um, you're finding yourselves really, really leaning into God's provision. Um, and sometimes it's, it's easy for us as Americans 
um, to take that for granted because we have been so blessed as a nation with uh, what we have and and we can compared to most of the world we're quite wealthy um, and it's a trap that we can easily fall into uh, and it's just again asking for God's provision being thankful for God's provision is just a reminder to trust him daily um, the fifth petition um, forgive us our sins uh, we have um, some different passages here Colossians 3.13 I'll flip to or sorry I'll go to Matthew 18 on this one Matthew 18 verses 21 through 35 then Peter came up to him and said Lord how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times but Jesus said, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with the servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him and forgave, um, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went, put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And, I, and, should, not, <clears throat> and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, the master delivered him to the jailer until he should pay all of his debt. So the, so the kingdom of God... Whoop, sorry, flipped here. So also my heavenly Father will do, ev- do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. What a reminder that when we pray this, our hearts need to be in the right place. Not only are we asking forgiveness of our own sins, but we're making sure that um, we're not finding ourselves bound up in our own selfish sin as we relate to those around us. Uh, we're incredibly grateful for God's forgiveness on, on a, for a host of reasons every day, but we have to keep in mind that we need to be able to treat brothers and sisters uh, in the Lord around us with that same amount of forgiveness. And uh, finally, God's deliverance from temptation of evil. I think Jeremy summed it up perfectly the, today where we were talking about um, in James 4.10, um, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Um, I think it's, I think he just had some incredible points about submitting ourselves to God. Uh, the example shared here in the Lord's Prayer does that. As we pray those first three petitions about um, his kingdom, uh, his name being hallowed, his kingdom coming, for his will to be done, we're finding ourselves in that position of submitting to him, of humbling ourselves to him. And here in the last part of the Lord's Prayer, we're turning from our double-mindedness and sin uh, both outwardly and inwardly, uh, and we're humbling ourselves before the Lord. Um, 
how, how great the Lord had lined up that lesson uh, with this lesson. Uh, so in conclusion, you have some examples there. Um, the Acts example that I shared, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. We talked about journaling, um, and we shared the Lord's Prayer. Um, I think what's great about this, going back to our reminder, our, our clause that we've used before, what we're sharing in these Christian disciplines aren't works by salvation. Uh, they're simply uh, the overflow of our joy of the salvation we find in our Lord and our God. So with that, we're concluding with our prayer chapter. I'll pray and let you all get to your families.